It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's the man of steel and aluminum cans. That's a fun little Superman joke for the listeners. They say a joke's always funnier if you explain it afterwards, and that's just... Anyway, in this episode, I'm joined by Scott Breen of the Can Manufacturers Institute to discuss steel and aluminum can recycling. Cans are some of the most consistently valuable commodities in the recycling mix. Here's our conversation. Scott Breen, could you tell me a little bit about your role um, for the Can Manufacturers Institute? What do you do there? And what is the Can Manufacturers Institute? Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Good place to start. So Can Manufacturers Institute, or CMI, uh, we represent the U.S. metal can manufacturing industry and its suppliers. So aluminum beverage cans, steel food cans, aerosol cans, general line cans, all the cans, we represent the people that make those cans. And my job is vice president of sustainability. Uh, in that role, I have several different uh, duties. One is to promote the can, basically educate people, inform them about our high recycling rates, high recycled content, how the can performs in the recycling system, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, another part of my job is to increase our recycling rates. So we have the most recycled food and beverage container in the United States, but you know, we want to get higher. And um, we're doing a variety of things, be it research, on the ground activities, partnerships. Uh, so that's part of my job, get that rate higher. And then the third is uh, collaborate with our VP of government relations, VP of technical and regulatory affairs to make sure that policymakers, regulators understand the reality of metal cans and our positive sustainability story and consider that as they go about making the laws, making the regulations to create an efficient, effective recycling system. And that's a fun part for me because I am a trained attorney, so I get to wear my lower hat every once in a while. On that topic of, of working sure. with, with governments and, and legislators, are there any pieces of legislation that you've got your eye on in the coming year or coming couple of years? Any policies that is of interest to the CMI? Well, certainly we're following all of the discussions around how to raise the recycling rate. Uh, extended producer responsibility, of course, is a hot topic. We're right. following that. That would you know, include most of our industry. The nice thing about extended producer responsibility is that there are these eco-modulated fees where the fees that would be charged to the producers of the packaging, those fees could be eco-modulated or discounted based on environmental performance. And we think the metal can is well positioned to perform well in terms of eco-modulation. But another policy that people are looking at more closely these days is deposit return systems. And mm. deposits for, if we're talking aluminum beverage cans, we get a lot of cans from deposit systems. 40% of the cans that we recycle come from just the 10 states that have a deposit system. Oh. And we are recycling 80,000 beverage cans a minute in this country, uh, 42.7 billion for a year. That's like 11, 12 packs per person. So we're recycling cans today at scale with existing technology. And like I said, almost half of those cans come from the deposit system states. So we put out an op-ed last year saying deposits get us a lot of cans. Here's our best practice principles of how to make an efficient, effective deposit system. So we're eager to engage with policymakers around how to either reform their existing deposit system or put in one that will result in a lot of high quality material coming back. 
living in North Carolina, uh, we don't have a deposit system yeah. here. Or we're not a bottle bill state. And so basically uh, the system works saying you bring a, the, the can or bottle, bottle back to a central location separately and you get um, a little money back from that. Yeah. So you pay five cents, 10 cents per, per container when you buy it, and then you'll get that money back when you redeem it. In general, can you tell us about how many cans are recycled versus how many are landfilled in the US? Do you have any kind of um, waste generation data about cans and you know, how well do they perform in the recycling system? I mentioned that 46, well, I, th well, I mentioned the 80,000 cans per mm -hmm. minute, right? 11, 12 packs per person per year. That works out to a 46.1% recycling rate is where the aluminum beverage can was in 2019. That makes it the most recycled beverage container in the United States. It's also the most recycled beverage container in the world. Uh, our industry performs well on all those rates. So 46% recycling rate, average recycled content is 73%. Uh, and then the value per ton, we, I'm sure we'll get there. It's, it's way more than uh, glass and PET. It tends to be one of the most valuable materials in the recycling stream. So uh, that's 46% recycled. But yes, at the same time, that's 54% going to landfill. Those cans are worth $810 million. That aluminum could be recycled forever. And instead, it's in a hole in the ground. It's unacceptable. It's sad. And that's why I'm so enthusiastic every morning to get to work because I, you know, that's a great job, right? I mean, Absolutely. we really just need to capture these cans. We, we know how, we have the technology, we have the infrastructure, we just need to get them back and we can turn them into new cans and have a significant environmental and economic impact when we do so. If we recycled every can in the United States, we could power a little over 4 million homes with the energy saved, right? Wow. So um, on the steel food can side, it's the most recycled food packaging by far in the United States when you compare it to cartons or flexibles, you know, to not even accepted curbside. Uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, it reports the recycling rate for steel cans in 2018 at 71%, but we're still losing cans there too. And we want to get those back so we can make new steel containers or really any kind of steel product. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a shame when you think about all of the, the time and energy that went into, you know, mining that material and producing it just for it to be used once and then go into a landfill forever, um, whereas it could be recycled, like you said, endlessly. So, right. yeah. It's a shame is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've kind of gotten into this a little bit, but basically when you're taking a look at recycling versus virgin materials, why is it better to use recycled aluminum and recycled can uh, recycled steel cans as opposed to using virgin materials? Well, first of all, if we incorporate more of the recycled material and we get it back, there's your steady supply, right? And right. that means that we can go ahead and make our metal container that provides in a safe way, in a high quality way, the food and beverages that people depend on and enjoy. So that's important to have that steady feedstock, right? But the second reason is the environmental impact that happens when we incorporate that recycled material. So when you make an aluminum beverage can from recycled material, more than 90% less greenhouse gas emissions than if you made that same can with new aluminum or primary aluminum. Steel food can, similar story. You make the steel food can from recycled steel, 75% less greenhouse gas emissions than if you made it from new or primary steel. So we need the cans back so we can keep our recycled content rates where they are, increase them even, and people should feel good, right, about when they put their can in the recycling bin. I, I like to say that when you put your can in the bin, 
if you had the recycler right there, if you had the can manufacturer right there, they would want to kiss you because you are providing them like the most valuable commodity that they right. can sort and sell. And you're providing the can manufacturer what they need to make new cans. So maybe kissing is a bit much, but I don't know, but <laughs> they would love you. All right. Well, that's, that's a good point. So what are the markets like for aluminum and steel cans, um, you know, in terms of national price per ton? The nice thing about aluminum and steel, and there's many nice things, but one is that we don't have this problem. We don't need to stimulate the market. The market is already there. If we capture more cans, there will be ready buyers for the used beverage cans, for the steel cans. Uh, recently, the price has gone even higher. So there was an April 2021 article in Resource Recycling from RecyclingMarkets.net. They're a common provider of these sort of prices. Says that used beverage cans or UBCs, they're at 64.13 cents per pound as of that month. The month prior, 61 cents. But last year, 2020, they were 40 cents per pound on average. So that's a huge jump. And then steel cans, this one's even bigger. April 2021, $230 per ton. Whereas earlier this year, they were only $80 per ton. So just in 2021, in a like span of four months, they went from $80 to $230 per ton. So even at the old prices, there were still ready markets, but that just shows you the value of metal, especially as we consider new infrastructure uh, spending. I mentioned the steel food can, how what's nice about steel is that it's open loop, right? So you can melt down that steel and you can turn it into any other kind of steel product you want very easily. So I think people are seeing, hey, steel food cans, this could be an input to the kind of infrastructure we're trying to build. I want to think about a little bit about process and um, in both North and South Carolina, we have pretty robust curbside programs mm -hmm. and that's where our steel um, and aluminum cans are recycled. So kind of take me through that. Uh, after they're recycled in our curbside cart, how are they recycled at the material recovery facility, the, the big recycling facility that sorts everything out? How does that work um, to pull out the steel and aluminum cans? Right. Yeah, good question. So let's talk sortation first. And then if you want, we can talk about how it's processed after they've sorted it. Yeah, so, that, was, that was my next question. Absolutely. All right, cool. So at the material recovery facility, all they're doing is sorting. They're not actually really recycling anything at the MRF. They're just sorting, putting it into bales of like material, and then selling it along to someone who will recycle it. So at the MRF with steel, again, it's nice that it's easy. You just need a magnet. It's magnetic, right? right. With aluminum, it's what's called a non-ferrous material. It's not magnetic. So most MRFs employ what's called an eddy current to separate out all of the aluminum from the rest of the single stream. Some use robots. The eddy current, very effective. It's like more than 95% effective. And the way it works just quickly is it's, there's a conveyor belt at the beginning. There's a magnet spinning very fast. It creates an eddy current through the aluminum containers. And then at the end of the eddy current is another magnet with an opposite force so that the aluminum you know, shoots off whereas everything else just falls down. So it's effective. But the issue is that the eddy current is at the end of the sortation process. So sometimes the cans, they get, let's say crushed very flat. They get mixed up with the paper. They get crushed into like hockey pucks. They fall through some of the screens. So we want to address this missortation that is occurring at some MRFs. And that's why we have a can capture grants program where Ardaw and Crown, they're beverage can manufacturers. We've partnered with the Recycling Partnership to help us identify the MRFs, provide them technical assistance. And we're providing funding for second eddy currents so that you can run, say, the material you think should go to landfill over the eddy current, and you'll capture a bunch of cans, so, uh, perhaps if you're at one of these MRFs with the dissertation. 
uh, or you want to install robot to quality control. And so we announced our initial grantees last week. One of them, North Carolina, Kirby, or Curbside Management. Right I love on. the name Kirby, yeah. by the way. It's kind of like cute. I kind of want to hug it. Uh, <laughs> it's in the Asheville, North Carolina area. The other is Independent Texas Recyclers. Collectively, these two MRFs, once they install the equipment with the grants, will collect 36 million cans per year, which if you think about the energy savings when we recycled those cans, it would allow for every American in this country to watch one hour of TV on a 40 inch LED TV, just capturing those cans from those two MRFs. That's a lot of TV, yeah. A lot of TV. Yeah, that's a lot of TV. And uh, you know, in COVID people wanna watch TV and we yeah. wanna provide the energy savings for that. <laughs> we have certainly done our fair share this past year. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so uh, you mentioned robot. Uh, that's something that's been popping up a little bit. So like uh, it's a big suction cup that comes down and finds a material and, and basically pulls it off the line. So is that something that people have worked with the grant or could use the grant to fund? That is something. And the benefit there is that the robot, you can, it's it's easier to place it in various parts of the MRF. Eddy, the eddy current can maybe involve a little bit more space. Mm -hmm. And also you can use it to quality control for things other than use beverage cans if you so choose. Right. It goes to the MRF. They sort out the steel cans, the magnet, the aluminum right. cans, the eddy current. Right. Um, and at the end, they make a, a bale. Um, and then that's sold downstream to a recycler. Can you tell me a little bit about that process of turning the recycle the can back into recycled metal? How does that work? Let's talk aluminum beverage cans first. So the cans arrive at aluminum recycler facilities. Think Trieros, Novellus, Constellium. These are the companies that have these mills and these furnaces to, to melt down the cans. They arrive at these facilities in bales, right? So that come from the MRF or deposit states. And these bales are crushed cans in large cubes. Each cube weighs about 2,200 pounds, has like 65,000 cans. It's not the kind of thing during COVID you're like using in your home workout. They're big, okay? <laughs> and the cans are taken out of these cubes, unloaded onto a conveyor belt where they first go to a shredder. Then the shredded scrap goes through an optical sorter typically to sort out the non-metal. It blasts away the plastic or glass with jets of air. They use the magnet to suck up the steel because you don't want other kinds of metal in there either. And that leaves just the aluminum. Then the paint and lacquer, they're vaporized. And this is possible because aluminum actually doesn't melt until you reach a really pretty high temperature, 660 degrees. So we vaporize the paint and lacquer. Then the clean aluminum chips go to the next stage, melting. They go to these furnaces. They're over 700 degrees, very hot. Wow. And once they're melted, the molten metal flows downhill to a holding furnace. That furnace is tipped so that it goes to a mold and that mold takes all this really crazy hot liquid and turns it into what's called an ingot. The solid big block weighs like 27 tons made of 1.5 million recycled cans. And these ingots go to a rolling mill where they're heated up a little bit to relax the bonds. They roll them back and forth so that it becomes this can sheet. So instead of this big like uh, 3D rectangle, it's now flat can sheet that is 33,000 feet long, rolled up. That rolled up can sheet is sent to a can manufacturer. That's where CMI comes in, the can manufacturers. And the sheet is unrolled. It's fed into what's called a cupping process, where it 
it punches holes in that can sheet. It creates these very shallow cups. The scrap that's created gets sent back to the aluminum mill to be recycled. So it's closed loop process in that sense. Right. The shallow cups, they're ran through a series of rings, each narrower than the last. And then you've got your can. How long would it take if I uh, drank, you know, classic Coca-Cola on Monday? And Is that your drink of choice? Your yeah, that, I would say it's probably my drink of choice. That's <laughs> pretty basic of me. But yeah, so... Uh -huh. uh, drink a Coca-Cola on Monday, how long mm -hmm. would it take before I could again purchase a, uh, another Coca-Cola made from that same recycled material? Right. So to go from recycling bin back to store shelf, 60 days. I know it took a while for me to go uh, through all the steps, but yeah, it actually is pretty, pretty efficient process. And right. if people want to see a video on this, just because you can see it, go to our website, cancentral.com slash sustainability. Go to the sustainability resources tab, scroll down, there's videos. One of the videos is from Discovery and it's all about that can recycling process. It has like 5.6 million views, which is awesome. So yeah, it's really well done. So that's, it's pretty wild that you could basically uh, use the same recycled uh, material in a can you drink basically six times a year in that turnaround. Pretty wild. Huh. That's what I hadn't thought about it that way, but yes, that's that's true. And right. it'll. Okay. And the nice thing about the aluminum recycling is that it and steel too. I mean, it it doesn't degrade during the recycling process, right? And whereas with PET, just to throw one out there, I mean, it loses a third of the material during the recycling process, right? So it's it's a it's a stark difference. That's awesome. So in all these processes with with the material recovery facilities and the, the processors downstream from them, do you have any estimates or any idea about the number of people? employed by steel and aluminum can recycling in the U.S.? Yeah, so the can industry's big employer. Uh, it employs more than 28,000 people with plants in 33 states. Puerto Rico, American Samoa generates about $15.7 billion in direct economic activity. Wow. Specific to the Carolinas, I mean, across North and South Carolina, 782 people are employed across five plants. I think you've mentioned this a few times, but I just want to be crystal clear for our yeah. audience. So what are some grants and other resources that you know about for both material recovery facilities or local governments to utilize to make sure that they are maximizing how many cans they can recycle? Right. Well, we've put our best stats, our best graphics all in one place. People can take whatever they want. It's free. You don't need to tell us. Just take it right. and communicate. And it's at cancentral.com slash sustainability toolkit. So hopefully that makes it easier for people to tell the story of cans and uh, inspire people to recycle more of their cans. And if we're missing something, let us know. We, you know, we want to add more stats and graphics to this tool. It's, it's evolving. Okay. So it sounds like cancentral.com is the place to go. I'll be sure to put that in the description. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, thanks so much for this information. It's really, it's really actually learned a lot about, uh, especially the process. I wasn't really clear on that, but thank you for, for the great information. Really appreciate you making the time to talk today. No, I appreciate the opportunity and appreciate you covering recycling in general so that everybody has the information about all the material types and, and can go forth and make informed choices and recycle and we'll all be better for it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks again to Scott Breen for joining and shedding some light on how cans are recycled. If you're a big nerd like me and you want to learn more about can recycling, you can go to cancentral.com.
I'd also like to acknowledge the CRA's diamond sponsors, Pratt Industries and Sunoco Recycling. Thanks to Tom Mahar for the music. I'm Matt James, and don't forget to reduce, reuse, and recycle. <laughs>